What's up, friends? I'm Tara P, and you're listening to Positive Perspectives. Well, guys, how is it going? I am recording this Tuesday evening a little bit later than normal. It's approaching 10.30 in the evening. Whoops. But uh, to be honest, got caught up by a show called Temptation Island. If you guys are a fan of reality TV, would recommend it. If you're not, feel free to fast forward like 30 seconds. But it's a ridiculous reality TV show where basically couples go on to test their relationship and we put on single islands with the opposite sex and see how they do. So yeah, got caught up watching that for an hour, but we're here ready to record. This past week has been a really fun, awesome week actually. Earlier on in the week, we actually had purchased a new old car. And this has been something that we had talked about for the for the past few weeks that with how much I've been door dashing and just trying to make some extra money right now to pay off our debt, I was like, you know, like I want to sell my car soon. I don't want it to go over 100,000 miles. And with just how much I'm driving it and putting all the miles on it right now, I feel like we could just buy like a beater car or something just that gets great gas mileage, can take it around town, and so started doing some research, looking Facebook Marketplace, went to a few auctions, decided auctions are great if uh, you're a mechanic or someone that likes fixing up cars, but when we went, I swear half the cars like didn't even start, and so really did most of our searching on Facebook Marketplace, and found our new, we call her Yaya, she's a Toyota Yaris, and so it looks like a little go-kart, but it is just the perfect door dashing vehicle. It gets great gas mileage. It is small, so you can park it anywhere. The turn radius is great because it's also so small. You can put the seats down in the back. It is just luxury for what we need. But So that was a great start. And then for the weekend, I actually had one of my... Well, I didn't, but it was one of my best friend's birthday. And so a couple of my friends came into town and had one of them stay with us. So it was so fun having our first guest like stay over with us and just seeing her, haven't seen her in I think it was eight months we decided, which is so crazy. She used to live up here and so it was so fun just to hang out the entire weekend, have her stay with me. And then on Saturday, we actually got to go out and celebrate our friend Erica's birthday. She just turned 30, and so her family came into town and did a party bus, checked out a few wineries out of town a little bit, and it was just like the most perfect day out, like probably mid to low 60s, so felt just so nice standing outside, not too hot, like could not complain. It was just so ideal and so much fun. Sunday was a little rough, a little hungover, you could say, and but wanted to make the best out of it because it was another beautiful day. It was even a little bit warmer. And so my friend Anna and I, we went on a hike that morning and then came back and kind of just lounged around for a little bit, hung out on the patio. Our other friend Carly came over just to catch up and say bye before Anna left. So overall, it had just been like a really exciting week, things that I was just looking forward to. Bummed it's in the past, but we all know we have so many like fun events this summer that are coming up where we all get to see each other again. So just know that we have even more to look forward to. So for this week's podcast, we have on Wes, and I'm so excited. We actually connected through Rance. A few years ago, Rance actually had a few college classes with him, and Wes remembered this, and Rance didn't because Rance is like, I don't even remember what happened last week, but they had like a project that they did together, and so Wes just had some good stories. But it was just such a good reminder that 
you never know the connections that you make. They might not seem important or significant now, but they could play a significant role in your life or maybe even somebody else's life in the future. So just don't ever underestimate the conversations and the connections that you guys make, guys, because I truly think they're so important if we use them properly and reach out to those people. That was something else that we talked about is I think so often we see someone doing something and we like are afraid to reach out or maybe... I see someone want them on my podcast and I'm afraid to reach out like why would they want to come on but you just never know what that person's doing on the other end. It could make their day that you reached out. They could be super excited to get on and share their story. So the worst that can happen is they might not read it. They might say no, whatever. But the best that could happen is they might say yes. It could open up new doors to new possibilities. Yeah, so that was just something that I felt like we really bonded over. And then something else I mentioned to him is once you guys start following Wes on sh- on social media, you will see just how interactive he is. He is just constantly showing his face, doing short clips, asking questions, doing Instagram lives, and it's definitely something that I want to work towards and that I'm trying to get better at is just showing my face and putting myself out there. I just feel so uncomfortable and unnatural, and I feel like that's probably the case for most people, and it's just... It's hard when those things are uncomfortable to just keep doing it and keep putting yourself out there if you don't have someone on your back telling you to do those kind of things. So I know I've said this, but I am working to get better. I'm actually going to be going on a podcast with Wes uh, next month to where it'll be posted on Instagram Live. So it'll be more like a live interview that you guys can see. It's a little bit different than just hearing my voice behind the screen. So are slow baby steps but to me they feel like big steps and I'm hoping that just the more I do this the more I get on Instagram lives that eventually it won't feel like just such a grand task and I can hop on uh, a lot easier in the future and then toward the end we really focused around just talking about how important it is to define your own version of success I think growing up we weren't taught that different words could maybe have different meanings, but I think success is definitely one of them, but I don't think there's a universal definition of success. I think it's all going to play a role on that person, on how they grew up, on what their values are, their morals are. All of that is going to play a role into what's important to them. And to me, that is success when people can kind of find value or achievement in something that they enjoy. But I am excited for you guys to listen to Wes's perspective, to hear all the different stories that shaped him, and then how he now defines his own version of success. He even now has his own podcast called Shaping Success, where he invites guests on to share their stories and how they define success. So I think this is going to be a super inspiring one for you guys. So please sit back and enjoy with our guest, Wes Tankersley. All right, everyone. So for our guest today, we have Wes Tankersley. And how are you doing today, Wes? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. How about you? Awesome. I am doing great. It is a Monday morning. I'm feeling happy that we're kind of starting off the week on a positive note, going to feel motivated. I can already tell. Um, But yeah, I'm just so excited to get to know you and your story a little bit more. We just connected, like I feel like I say all the time, through social media. (laughs) Um, You and my fiance, Rance, went to college together. And so you also have a podcast. And Rance shared that with me about a year ago. So I just love seeing your content. And I was telling you, I see you so active on social media. And you're just super inspiring. So can't wait for you to inspire our guest today. I appreciate it. It's awesome to be here. Yeah. 
So let's just kind of go back to the beginning so I can get to know you a little bit. And let's just kind of start with, you know, where you grew up and uh, who you kind of were as a kid. Well, I was, I was actually born somewhere that people don't really like in Idaho. Um, I was born in California, so, uh, but <laughs> I've lived here the majority of my adult life. So I consider myself more Idaho than uh, Idaho, Oregon than California. Um, I grew up, I was born in uh, Soledad, California. My parents had a, or my grandparents owned a hardware store and my parents worked there. My dad worked there. My mom raised three boys and uh, it was kind of tough because they didn't make a whole lot of money. And so my dad uh, eventually left the hardware store and went into ag. And so he was in ag, started out as a mechanic. And he was actually at the time he was making like eight or nine bucks an hour, which was pretty good for, you know, the eighties. And, uh, when I turned 10, my brother was 12, my oldest brother was 12. And then I had a younger brother who was eight. So we're all two years apart. They were starting to think about where we were going to go to high school and where we lived in California. We kind of had to go to this not so great school. So for public school, or they would have to send us to a private school and they couldn't afford to do it. So they decided, well, we're going to move. So we came up, we took a trip up to Ontario, Oregon, looked around, my uncle had lived there. And then a couple months later, we moved up. So we moved to Ontario, Oregon when I was 10 years old. I hated it, couldn't stand <laughs> it. We had big family. We used to hang out with down in California all the time. And uh, they, they were gone, you know? So when you're here in this new place, you're 10 years old and I was in the third grade, trying to make new friends, lying about things, you know, trying to make people think I was cool and I wasn't. And I was just, you know, I was a big kid. I think when I was in the fifth grade, I was almost six foot and I wore a size 10 and a half shoe. And I remember my dad just being upset because I could wear his shoes. <laughs> so in the fifth grade, I hit up the Optimus football and I started to play football. Um, actually, this is probably one of the biggest things in my whole life that changed a lot of things for me, but I tried to quit after the first day. And back then it was okay to get a spanking. So uh, when I went home, my dad kind of told me he didn't raise a quitter. Later on, I found out why he didn't want me to quit, but he ended up having to quit when he was in high school and he, he said, you're going to start something. You're not going to quit. And it was the best thing he ever did for me. You know, he, yeah. he gave me a spanking, told me I wasn't going to quit. You know, here I am this 12 year old kid. I think it was 12. I was in the fifth grade. Anyway, um, <laughs> he told me who, what I was going to do. And, and I was like, all right, that's it. So I went back and I played, um, ended up getting, you know, being pretty good at football. Uh, I got most improved player that year after I tried to quit the very first day. Um, and then, you know, that was fifth grade and then got to high school my freshman year, I was uh, going to be a starter on the team halfway through the season, but I, I tried to defend myself in a fight. A kid tried to start punching me. And, you know, I, at this point, I'm six foot three, 250 pounds. I'm this big dude. And it seems like every time the big guy gets picked on by the little guy, because they think the big guy's not going to do anything back. And so he starts swinging at me and I grab him, I pin him on the ground in the gym floor and, um, roll out and or just hold them there and then every, you know the teacher comes in and breaks it up and they get them they get us away from each other and then I get sent to the principal's office and he goes what's what's going on why did you do this and and I as a freshman in high school said he was effing punching me and that was the only reason I got suspended so I said the F word to the principal's office yep so I end up get suspended and that was the end of my freshman varsity possible starting situation. So, and how did you kind of handle that at that time? Oh, was it, it was not good. I, I was quitting again. 
Like I was yeah. so mad about the whole situation because all I was doing was defending myself. Defending. And I had no, no clue why I should be, you know, suspended for that. And my, my freshman coach at the time, so he was the freshman coach, but I was practicing with the varsity every day and I still was on the JV team playing, but they had me practicing with the varsity. And I was this close to just taking a guy's position. Like, honestly, like I probably would have started the very next game on varsity, but uh, it just didn't happen. And then they told me, well, you got suspended, so you're going to do this. So like part of what I had to do every single day for the rest of the season was take out the tackling dummies and the bags and stuff out of the box car and like this hundred yard thing, like it was my punishment. I'm like, I'm being punished for defending myself. And it really wasn't what I was being punished for. I was being punished for cussing in the principal's office. But when you're but, a teenager, like yeah. you're, you just feel like the world's out to get you at that point. Right. And, and my coach actually like this, this wouldn't happen anymore, but my coach actually came to my house and sat down with me and my parents and talked to me about why I was being punished the way that I was being punished. And like that, after that, that was that, I mean, it was it. Did it kind of like click at that point? Yeah. I, Cause I knew what was going on. I still didn't like it, but I knew what was going on. I knew why I was being punished instead of just telling me that I was being punished. So yeah, I went back and I did it. Um, I didn't get to practice with the varsity anymore and I lost my chance to start, you know, kind of, that was my punishment, but you know, the very next year I was a starter and, uh, and then that ended up being, you know, we lost the state championship by one, by one point that year, that was pretty, pretty crappy going all the way to Portland every single year to go play football and, or every, like for the last four games, we'd, we'd get, jump in a charter bus and go to Portland which is supposedly Hours. neutral area. We're playing St. Helens, which is 30 minutes away from Portland. And we're five hours away. Like that's yeah. neutral. So, uh, <laughs> and then that changed later on, you know, but uh, we lost by one point, second year, um, or my junior year, we went back up there and we won the state championship, which was pretty cool. But then about a week later, we got, we became the only team in Oregon history to be stripped of a state championship. So that sucked. <laughs> what, what happened there? Well, so we had a kid transfer in at the beginning of the season and um, there's another team. So I went to Ontario and our biggest rival had a kid on their team who um, was mad because he was a freshman. He thought he should be starting. So he transferred in the middle of the season to our rival. And then his parents made a big stink about this kid. Well, we had filled out our, our head coach was also the athletic trainer, but he had filled out the proper paperwork that he was told he had to fill out at the beginning of the season. And then this kid transfers. And then all of a sudden he has to fill out some different paperwork. So he filled out the other paperwork and then, you know, we get through the season and, and they said, no, that's the guy. He's not eligible. So we essentially won the state championship with an eligible player and they took, they took it away, wow. which again, you know, junior in high school, the adults probably had a really hard time dealing with that, but you're sitting here like, what am I supposed to do? You know, we just won this. We, we won it. Like there was no doubt in my mind. And later on when I got recruited, there was a kid at Southern Oregon's uh, recruiting day that I went to that I had, he had gone to Ontario when I was younger, but I had known him and he's like, you guys won. He goes, there's no doubt in our mind. Everyone knows you guys are the champions. It's just a trophy. It's just a right. title. 
although but it sucks I mean to, go. to a teenager like when that's like what you work for is that title like that that does hold a lot of meaning and so to be like you said stripped of that sounds like you went through a lot of hard lessons to learn about like responsibility at a young yeah. age it was tough it was hard um but you know i mean my parents taught us that you know it wasn't it's, it's not for anything like we worked our butt off we tried to make right. things happen no matter what and that was just what we were control. taught throughout the years yeah and you know, the cool thing about what I'm doing now is I've learned a lot of things. Like there's a lot of things that I can't control, like, and that's one of them, you know? So it's been an interesting journey, but after that, you know, my junior year, we, we won the state championship. I still think we won. I still have the mm -hmm. state championship ring somewhere back here. Um, nice. and, uh, it was a cool experience, but my senior year, we lost eight or nine starters. We had a, our, one of our running backs became our quarterback. He was a terrible leader you know, and, and an offensive lineman trying to lead, lead a team. Cause that's what I was, you know, uh, didn't really work out that well being like one of two seniors on the team. And, and it just was tough and we didn't do very well. We didn't make the playoffs. And then I got recruited to go play football at Southern Oregon, which scared me to death. So uh, was that like a there. dream for you to like go to college and play football? Kinda. Yeah, it was, you know, I was more into baseball than I was football, but I was not good at baseball. Um, but yeah, it was, but my dream was not to go to a NAI school. My dream was to go play at a PAC 10 school, which was at the time the PAC 12 was the PAC 10. I wanted to go play at Oregon, Oregon state. And that's what I was going to do. And no one was going to tell me any different. And my parents wanted me to go play at Southern Oregon. And I filled out all the paperwork and everything. And I got registered for classes, but I had met someone that summer and, uh, I wanted to go the junior college route, but there's not very many junior colleges around here that have football teams. So it would be out of state tuition. My parents weren't willing to pay for me to go to a junior college, what it would cost to go to a four-year university. And so I, I ultimately told them I wasn't going to play. I mean, I, I had gone down the summer back down to California because I had always wanted to go back, spent the summer with my grandparents and met my, my wife of 21 years. So um, we had ended up talking about, you know, what that would look like. And I was going to go there and she was eight hours away and she would eventually, she was going to junior college and she was done. She'd move up there, but, uh, that never worked out. So I loaded up my truck. Like I went, I registered for classes and then I loaded up my truck. I told my parents I wasn't going and I left. I went back down to California. They were not happy. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, they wouldn't listen to me. So, you know, you're 18 years old and you're making yeah. these choices on your own because they wouldn't listen to me. They didn't, they didn't understand what I wanted. Um, you know, eventually I realized that they're probably right, but they didn't know they were right. You know, I mean, I was pretty small, you know, I, for an offensive lineman, I was pretty small. You know, I was 6'3", 260. And later on, when I, when I skipped that and I went back to college, I went to University of Idaho and I, I walked on. And I was on the walk-on team for, I don't know, probably two months. And I'm looking at these offensive linemen. I was an offensive tackle. And the, there was like three guys that I would be competing against as an offensive tackle. 6'6", 350 pounds. Whoa. And I'm a 6'3 guy, 250 pounds. There's no way. You know, yeah. I just, I finally got to the point where I was like, I realized that I was a dummy. I mean, I could have made it work. I could have played a different position. I could have. You know, I mean, you look at like Wes Welker who played for the Patriots, he's like five, eight and he was an awesome receiver. You know, I think anything could happen, but I just, my heart wasn't in it. 
So. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of those things like that you just have to like go through and experience yourself. Like you never would have truly like learned that lesson just by like listening to your parents. You had to like figure it out on your own and like really be put in that situation to be like, like, I'm glad I did this, but maybe my parents did have they, what they said wasn't completely off. <laughs> Yeah. And I, the thing is that about it was like, they didn't know, like they had no clue. My dad played, he played football when he was a freshman, but his brother died and he had to do all the, like they owned a farm. And so his brother was like this genius with like breeding sheep. So he had like a hundred sheep that not a hundred, but he had a lot of farm animals. He was like, I'm going to breed this many cattle. Like he had it all broken down how much money he's going to make off of each one, blah, 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 blah. And then he committed suicide. And so my dad, as a you know freshman in high school, had to go do that. Well, he quit football, and that's really where that whole thing came from. That was really his whole mentality was like, I quit. I regretted it every day of my life, and that's why I'm not going to let you quit. You know, mm-hmm. which I found that later on in life. But you know, that was that's one of those lessons that like I've never really quit anything since. You know, that's just. I did quit. Like I, I quit college football when I was at Idaho, just because there was like, there's no way. I mean, I, right. I really had thought it through at that point when I was, you know, in fifth grade, it was like, yeah, whatever. You don't know what you're thinking in fifth grade. Yeah. And you're yeah. just like, mm, sounds like a lot of work. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, essentially the reason why I wanted to quit was because they were going to make me run. I didn't yeah, want to it was hard. I just wanted to, I wanted to hit someone, you know, and I didn't realize that conditioning is an important part of football, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, that happened. And then I started, I, I quit there. I was going to university of Idaho to be an athletic trainer and a, and a PE teacher because at the time athletic trainer, you know, like it wasn't what it is now. And in order to be an athletic trainer, you were typically one in the classroom as well. So like you'd teach PE and then you'd be the trainer for the team at the high school that you taught at. And so I started going and I was doing that and I changed my major a couple of times just because I thought it was too hard and I wasn't doing well. And I essentially started working part-time at Les Schwab in uh, Moscow at the time and going to school part-time. And my wife was working full-time and she wanted to be a nurse, but we had to, you know, we were just trying to make things happen. So she was working full-time, I was working part-time and, and then I started to see money come in and at Les Schwab. And then I started going to work, you know, one class and working three days a week, four days a week. And then I eventually just quit. Mm-hmm. And we decided that we needed to move because um, she wanted to go to nursing school in Idaho. It doesn't have one. So it was easy to transfer in Les Schwab. I moved back we moved to Boise or back down here. Cause you know, I was in Ontario, but we actually moved yeah. to Boise so she could go to BSU. And then um, I tried to move up the career ladder in Les Schwab, which um, I ended up getting promoted. we ended up moving back down to California and she's bouncing around in schools because I'm moving her all over the country. And, uh, I decided that management wasn't for me and ended up back in Boise. She finally got into, um, Carrington, got her nursing degree taken care of. And then, um, I hurt myself at, at Les Schwab. I'd worked there 11 years, you know, running on concrete, bending up and down, up and down running, you know, is hard on your body, especially when you're a big guy. And mm-hmm. I had a couple knee surgeries and, and they told me that if I continued to work there, I would never be able to, or, or like, I'd have to have my knee replaced in a couple of years. And at and, that time was Le Schwab something that like you loved and you saw yourself doing it as like a long-term career. Nope. I no. hated it. I so hated was it, it kind of like a 
almost like an out for you. Yeah, it gave me a way out. That's exactly what it did. It gave me a way out because I was able without to having to quit. Right, I couldn't do it, and um, they, you know, like it's that workman's workman's comp. Like I always is like feel guilty that you know people do that, but you get hurt at work. I got hurt at work. I mean, there was nothing I could do about it. And when it was all said and done, I mean, I had this osteotomy surgery because I was. I had meniscus torn and then I tore some more. And so like, they basically have no meniscus on one side and the osteotomy is like a big bandaid. So like I had that 11 years ago and uh, it was supposed to last 10 to 15 years so that before I can get my knee replaced. So, I mean, here I am, one of my 40, I was 30 going to have my knee replaced or do this and do something different. And so I, I was like, well, if I have my knee replaced now, I'll probably have to have it replaced like five more times. And every time they do it, it's worse and worse. And they mm-hmm. got to take out more bone and do more and more. And so. And at 30 years old, you're like, this is something I'm already having to like weigh and consider at such a young age. It'd be a really hard thing to accept, I feel. Yeah, it was. It definitely was. It was like, well, what do I do? I mean, and and so the the blessing in disguise was like, they said, you can't do this anymore. Uh, we're going to give you some money so that you can go do something different or you can take like a desk job. And I'm like, I'm not taking a desk job. I'm not going to be sales and admin because I know what will happen. You'll make me go back out there and work and I'm going to injure it again. Like I, I knew how it was going to go. Yeah. And so I went back to college. I mean, I, they didn't even know about it because I didn't tell them like with Les Schwab, you have to finish out the year in order to get your bonus. And so my goal was to finish out the year, but I had registered for BSU. I had gone to the orientation. Um, I'm on crutches. I couldn't walk like for six months because the surgery that I had was non-weight bearing. And uh, it was pretty rough, but I went back with this new, like, this is it, you know, cause I had like a 1.67 GPA at Idaho and I went to, I went to BSU and I'm like, I'm going to make this work. And I graduated in four years, like a 3.6. So. And what do you think it was that kind of changed your mindset from like, like I said, not really trying or enjoying school to then doing very well in school and finishing in four years? You know, I think that it would just, I don't know, like I, I always thought that I was a poor student, but then I realized that I was just lazy. Like I just did enough just to get by. And like, I had to, I had to retake like three or four classes that I had taken at Idaho, you know, like I had to take psych 101 math was terrible. Cause I was still, I, when I went back, I was going to be an athletic trainer, PE teacher again. Well, I was going to be just an athletic trainer and ended up getting a PE degree because of math. That's, I'll just be a PE teacher because I know that I want to coach and I know that I want to teach. And so I did it. And that's, uh, that was kind of where it was. And it was tough. Like I had one summer cause I wanted to graduate in four years that I had to take three summer school classes. And that was crazy. Like, I mean, I was, it was, I, I did it. I mean, that's all I can wow. say. Like, yeah, it was tough, but yeah, I graduated from there and then I taught, I got my first teaching job in Marsing and, um, I had was coached my, you enjoyed. It, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough though. Like as a PE teacher, you know, like everyone always thinks hi, hey, you're just having fun, but when you have that teaching portion, like you have to, there's you curriculum. have to like, yeah, there's curriculum. Exactly. But people don't think with PE, you know, it's like, Oh, what did I do in PE? Well, my, my teacher came out, like I had actually good teachers for PE and that's why I wanted to do it. They taught us a skill. They taught us how to play the game. They tested us on it. They made sure that we knew what we were doing. Whereas the teacher that was at the school before was he'd walk in every single day and ask the students what they wanted to do. 
And then he would do that, which was either basketball or dodgeball. Every I was going to say, I feel like dodgeball was yeah. something I all, we always played just because they, I don't remember having a strict PE curriculum yeah. that you maybe had. Yeah. And so, well, I go into there my first year with that, like I'm following that up and all these kids are expecting that this is what they're <laughs> going to get. I've written out the syllabus. I've told them what we're going to do, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, so the first day I had like 40 kids in one class and I had 30 in another. And I had like, my smallest class was like 27. And then the very next day, like they're supposed to bring back their syllabus signed to me saying that they agree to the rules of the class. And like my classes just whoosh, dropped in half. <laughs> yeah. Kids were just dropping left and right. Cause they didn't want to have to do what I was going to tell them to do, that they had to do. And so like, oh it was gosh. tough. Yeah. Like I started them out. Like the first thing I told them was like, we're going to do a fitness unit. I want to see how fit you are. We're going to test you, blah, 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 blah. And they, they didn't want to do that. And so, you know, when you go out there and like require them to do stuff that they've never had to do, they were, they were mad. And so like, which is kind of crazy because that was like a, the mindset you had when you were going into football, you saw how much work it was. And if your dad would have let you quit, then you probably would have. And so it's just crazy that when the rules are reversed, that when the parents did let them quit, it's like they didn't even give it a shot. Well, and it's crazy too. Cause like in, in, in my school, you know, like if I went to the first day of class and didn't like it and went home, told my parents, they said too bad. You signed up yeah. for it, finish it. But in this school, it was like, I don't like it. They're like, all right, we'll put you in art or we'll yep. put you in music or we'll, we'll just move you around wherever you want to go. And so like this, this went on for like the whole first semester. And uh, I took it personally. That was the annoying part is like, I'm like, why'd they drop the class? Why they drop the class? Like I took it personally. And the counselor's like, well, it was just too physical for them or they just didn't. I'm just like, whatever. So the next year was so much better because I had already put all that stuff in and the sixth graders coming in knew the eighth graders were gone because my last, my last year in Marsing, I taught fifth, fourth and fifth grade. So I had fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. So I had the fifth graders who were terrible in elementary school and this eighth graders who were, you know, they just like, they get to the point where like we rule the school and we can do whatever we want. We've been there, done that. And yep. so we're the older kids. But yeah, so I ended up there. I was there for two years as a head baseball coach for two years there. And I was also a PE teacher and I wanted to teach at a high school. And both years I was there, I, I applied for other jobs because uh, PE teacher is a really hard job to get out of all of them. Like everyone needs an English teacher, everyone needs a math teacher and they need four or five of them. But like at a high school, the PE teacher usually moves in there and then they don't go anywhere until they retire. Yep. And so you got to find one where a guy retired and then you can go in there. And I ended up teaching out of class at Middleton High School when I got hired there just so that I could hopefully move into a PE job the next year. And so I taught senior junior project, which was terrible because those kids didn't want anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. And we talked a lot about going to college and I, and I had to tell people that I thought college was highly important, which I do, but it's not necessary for everyone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like I got, I have two degrees sitting over here. I got a master's degree and a bachelor's degree and I'm telling them, oh, yeah, you need to do this. You need to go to school. You need to get a degree. You need to do this. Cause that's the, that's what we were told. Right. Right. That's what I was told all the time. Yep. The only way you're going to be successful. My parents didn't have a college degrees. They thought we should have one. Uh, my mom got one later in life. My dad never did, but they made pretty good money. They were able to take care of us and they taught us that hard work was necessary. And so I ended up, uh, you know, I got the next year, like after that, I'm teaching that curriculum. They decided that they were going to get rid of that because no one liked it. The principal we had at the time was new and he was like, 
this is an old thing. People don't like it. Kids don't want to do it. We're just going to change it. So they change it. And they're like, and your job's not there anymore. But Whoa. yeah, we're going to hire another PE teacher. You can apply for it, but it's not guaranteed. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> so here I am like in the middle of the year. They told me this like right before Christmas. So we go on break and I come back and I'm like, Ugh, what am I going to do? So I start looking because, you know, they're getting ready to start hiring people. And I'm looking every single day trying to find a job. Mm-hmm. And um, I applied for a bunch and, I, and then it came time for me to interview for the one position that they had. And I had heard that there was a guy down at the middle school who was wanting to come up. So I thought, well, I'll apply for the middle school one. If he comes up here, I don't want to teach middle school again, but it'll give me something to do. And I was just like, why can't I'm here? He's not whatever in it, you know, in districts, seniority is really all it is. And it doesn't matter if you've been there for one year and you're a better teacher, the next, the other guy's going to get it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he, he was getting that one. We knew he was getting that one and they added another one and, and I luckily got it. I mean, it was a, it was scary. It was something that I thought about like every single night and it took him like four months to make, not four months, but it took a whole, it seemed like four months. Felt like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Took him a whole month to make that decision. And I'm just sitting here going the whole time. It's like, am I doing what I'm, am I doing what I want to do? Am I doing what I want to do? And uh, so I taught, you know, I, I got there the next year and I taught the class and there's a bunch of crap going on in the Middleton school district. And I was like, I've had enough. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And this opportunity came for me to go be a salesman again. You know, I kind of was in sales at Les Schwab, you know, more of like you sell the tires and you go put them on. And uh, it was really scary because it was like, this time it was hundred percent commission and got a bet on yourself. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. And you know, what's funny is like, I have a shirt, I have two shirts that say bet on yourself on them. I wear those all the time because that's really what that's really what it is. Yeah, it definitely is. You have to understand that you're good at what you do, and you have to be good at what you do to make money in that kind of job. And uh, I had some. I was kind of lucky because contracts for teaching run from uh, August to August, so I had already signed my contract for the whole year. So they had to pay me throughout the whole summer. <laughs> so I got my teaching pay no matter what, and I could establish this hundred percent commission job and be kind of secure for a while. Smart. Yeah, which was nice. So I quit as like Memorial Day. The next day I started at Blind Appeal selling window coverings. And uh, it was still nerve wracking. It was pretty crazy. And uh, I, I got through like two months into the summer and there wasn't like as many leads as I wanted. Like I wasn't making as much money as I thought. I was scared I was going to lose it and not make enough money and and whatever. So then I started to think about what I could do. And I asked my boss, Hey, can I start advertising on social media? He's like, yeah, go ahead. You can do it. And I'm like, can I start my own profile? He's like, yeah, go ahead. You can do that too. And so I, my first Instagram account was Wes at blind appeal, which it's, it's actually my Instagram account now. So like all my followers are from that, but uh. um that's what it was. And I was selling blinds and like, I'm like, this is the way it's going to happen. Like I'm going to post a picture of blinds and I'm gonna tell people to call me every single day. And then when you started this job, did you have a ton of like guidance about like how to go into it? Or was it just kind of like, here's the job, here's what you're selling. Good luck with making money. Uh, no, you know, I mean, there's training, right? There's training for everything. And so he gave me some training on like how to, um, how to do it. So like I rode around with the salesman, I rode around with the owner, I rode around with an installer. Like I kind of 
had an idea of what to do. I mean, essentially what I'm doing is I'm going in and I'm measuring a window right? and then I'm showing them the products that we have and selling them those products. So the more you do it, the better you get at it. And I, I understand sales. I mean, one of the big things I'm trying to do right now is start selling marketing on my own podcast, but that's, I understand how it works. And so it wasn't too much of a far-fetched transition. It just was more of like getting in the house, right? So like getting, getting the, the opportunity to get in there. Yeah. Yep. And so I thought this was going to be it, you know, I'll do the social media marketing and, and it wasn't working. I'm like, how come, you know, like I spent like, cause I had extra money. I like, I spent like 300 bucks a month on Facebook ads. I'm like, this'll, this'll work. You know, yeah. It wasn't. Well, it's because I was trying to sell blinds and I needed to sell myself, you know, like I needed people to know who I was. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, well, I'm going to do this and do that. And I read crushing it by Gary Vaynerchuk. And I'm like, I need to start doing this. You know, like I started following all his people and I started posting on like five different social media platforms and I was just posting about who I am. And I started the IG picture or videos and talking about myself and, you know, getting people to know, Hey, this is that guy. And one of the things that he said was like, Hey, you should start a podcast. Everyone should do a podcast. Everyone should do a blog. Everyone should do Instagram. Everyone should do Facebook. Everyone should do LinkedIn, TikTok, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right. Where do we I go. start? <laughs> yeah. I was all in though. Like, I mean, and I figured out ways to I do everything from my phone. It's all right here on my phone. I mean, I've, I've started doing stuff on here now that I have more, more um, knowledge, but it was all on my phone. Cause I'm driving around all day trying to get people to, you know, buy my product and I couldn't do it from home. And so I'm just like, he goes, it doesn't matter what you post, just post. I'm just posting. Like the and was that like in intimidating? Cause that was something I told you about that. Like I really struggle with like showing my face. I'm so much more comfortable behind the mic. So how did you go to, or was that an easy transition for you just to be like, okay, this is what I have to do. Let's just start making videos. It was tough at first. I mean, like if you can go back, you can go look, I've never taken anything down. So like you can go to my Instagram account and you can look at IGTV and you can see the very first video. And I was like, I'm going to do this. So like there was, I was listening to a podcast at the time called three questions. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to answer these three questions. Who am I? Where am I going? And what have I learned? And so Ooh. those were the very first three um, that I was going to ask. And I started and I did one video, second video, third video. And I think I did them all in the same day or I did two. And then I did one the next day. And uh, just so people knew who I was. And it was, that was like, the first one you can see. And then the second one, I start to get a little more confident. The third one, I start to get more confident. My wife is sitting there looking at me like, who's this guy? <laughs> it wasn't me. And I'm like, but you started filling your brain with motivational people with books, right. podcasts, that was almost maybe changing your mindset to make that be who you are. Yeah. And it's funny because that's, that's exactly what I was doing. But like, I was looking through crush it. I was reading crushing it. And like Gary talks about all these people, that he knows and like Lewis House was one of them. I look at Lewis House as like the modern day Tony Robbins. Most people know who Tony Robbins is, but he's just like this big motivational speaker, right? And so I end up popping onto Lewis House and one day he did this and I just posted about it the other day because I have a group of people I talk to on a daily basis. I'm like, you should listen to this. And he has this one called Dream and Do. And man, he just like every time I listen to him, my hair stands up a little bit. Like it just like motivates you to go do it, you know. And that was one of the people that Gary kind of introduced me to. And I don't even know Gary, but I know Gary because he taught me how to do what I do. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
but in the end, you know, really what it, what it boiled down to is that people don't buy from the brand that you work for. Like I work for blind appeal, but they buy from me. They call to talk to me. They don't call to talk to blind appeal when they want me to come sell to them. So I started the podcast with the idea that I'm going to get more customers. I'm going to interview local people who are entrepreneurs or realtors or in the business and construction or whatever. I'm going to get them on my show and then they're going to call me. You know, mm -hmm. It was all like, this is what's going to happen. And I did five shows. And through those five shows that I had done, I realized that that wasn't really what I wanted to do. Like I mm -hmm. was inspired by what these people were doing and I wanted to inspire other people. So at first it was me and a guy that I knew that we were doing it together and it was called Treasure Valley Max Media, like the first five episodes. And the first episode is him interviewing me. The second is me interviewing him. And then he got busy and I interviewed like two or three other people by myself. And then my friend calls me and says, Hey, let's, let's meet. We need to talk. The kid, the guy that I was paying to run the Facebook ads for me, he's like, we need to talk. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do it. And so, um, we went and did it and, uh, we sat down and we talked and he's like, listen, he goes, there's this guy. And they were, it was, it wasn't me. And I think I told you about this a little bit earlier. It wasn't me that they were talking about, but it was me. They were talking about They're like, <laughs> this guy's in San Francisco. He's got his phone. He's doing these videos on his little flip phone, blah, 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 blah. This is a big story about how all of a sudden he got better. He got a tripod. He got lighting. He got this, he got that. Next thing you know, he's produced. He's like, we want you to do a show with us. We want to produce it for you. It's a Facebook live show. We'll give you the audio. You can do what you want with that. And you can have your podcast on our live streaming network. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and so. What a crazy crossroad. Like it was, it, it, yeah. it was nuts. It was, it was crazy. And it's like, if you watch the live show, like if you've seen it, you know, it's come from me. The original podcast was me sitting in my garage up against, you know, like my San Francisco Giants logo banner is hanging down i'm sitting at one of those fold-out tables i got an ipad in front of me i got two lapel mics and my guest has his phone up here and i have my phone up here and we're recording three different places trying to put it on instagram live trying to put it on youtube trying to put it on facebook like from different devices to starting out you know like first it was on my phone through a vmix call which is kind of like zoom and then now I'm sitting in this studio where they've created a set for me that I can sit against my background on a green screen and have a big camera looking at me. And I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like I just posted and, about it this weekend because it's come so far. And this is all like within just like a little over a year, like you started your podcast journey in January of 2020. And so to hear all that progress and success that you have reached just in such a short period of time is just incredible and just shows that the more you put yourself out there and the more you can make those connections things might just start snowballing because you're kind of building a community around you and you're not just taking it on on your own essentially yeah and that's definitely connection is huge like I don't one of the things is is you don't know where you're gonna like who you're interacting with how they can affect what you are who you are and you always, like, I, I see this all the time. Like I heard a story, a friend called me the other day 
and someone was talking trash about him. Like he found out from someone else through someone else. And I'm not going to get too much into details about it, but it was like, this is that thing. This is that I'm talking to you about something and I could talk trash about someone else. Like I Rance is your Rance is your fiance, but like I could say something about Rance, not even know that. And then next thing you know, he's mad at me mm-hmm. and dragging it through everywhere else. But I made that connection with Rance, you know, how long ago was it? Eight, nine years ago. <laughs> and here we are sitting here having a podcast because he told you, Hey, you should check this guy out because he knew the me. one connection. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's connections. Great. And I've ended up having some great guests through connection. Um, and it's, it's just one of those things, you know, I've the connecting, connecting through one person to get this guest and like, Hey, you should do this. Like people are watching this. Hey, you should check out this person or this person would love to be on your show. Or, I mean, it's, it's been amazing. Yeah. And so after those first few episodes and you change it to the live show, is that when your title changed and everything? Yeah. So it went from, it went from Treasure Valley Max Media. Cause we're just like, oh, this is what we're doing. We're going to help Treasure Valley, you know, get their name out there to shape and success, which to me stemmed from this question that, or this, this conversation I had with a kid when I was in high school, he was over at my house, hanging out with my little brother and he had said something and I don't know where it came up with, but we were talking about success. And he had said, I'm going to be twice as successful as you when I grow up. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, interesting. Cause how, how can you tell me what that is? Because success for you, success for me, success for everyone is different. You know, it could be, I got a Ferrari in the garage. It could be, I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. It could be, I flip burgers and McDonald's and I'm happy. And so really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show people what that looks like and have different people from different walks of life on my show to share their success and how they got there and what they did. And, you know, it's kind of like, it's for everyone to see, but I get so much out of it myself. It's like me taking the secrets from them, of what they're doing and applying and taking, you know, cause like no one's invented anything. That's a big thing. Like everyone's always like, oh, this is mine. I'm going to keep it. No one's really invented anything. It's, it's something that you share with people, you know? And so everything's a collaboration. So like, I may see that you do something that I like, and I'm going to take a little piece of that and use it in my, in my daily life. You know, you, you may see something that I do on my podcast that you like, and you're going to take that and do it, but you're going to look and you're going to figure out what works best for you and, and use it to your knowledge. And that's how teaching was. It was the same thing. Like I'd watch other teachers do something I'm like, I don't like that. I like part of it and I'm going to use it. And I'm going to make this lesson based on that. So. Yeah. And that we were talking about a little bit earlier, it's like taking secrets from everyone to kind of compile your own like life story. And I think that that one of the secrets is defining like your own version of success and knowing that there's not this universal, universal definition that I think at least what the way I grew up, I felt like there was a universal definition, you know, you had to make certain grades in school, you had to be really smart, you had to go to college, you had to have a good job. And it was something that I kind of struggled with as a kid, because I wasn't super smart. Like, yeah, I was a hard worker, I was a good person, but like, school did not come easy for me. And so when I went off to college, I luckily just realized that money was not my version of success and doing what I love is more my version. And so I went off and chased social work. And so I just think that really is one of the secrets is 
letting go of expecting a universal definition of success and getting clear and defining your own version of success will make you truly the happiest in life. Yeah. And again, you know, like that kid, uh, I'm sitting there watching him. Like, I know who he is. I still see him. (laughs) He's a teacher now. So, I mean, if you're going to base your success on that, then I was a teacher. So we were the same. Right. (laughs) And it's just so funny how that conversation that who knows if that kid even remembers like saying that to you, but like that it stuck with you and now has shaped the person that you are. And now that you are searching to find out how others like define success to learn from them and just grow what that definition means to you. Right. Yeah. It's exciting because like, like I said, it's different for everyone. So yeah. What would you say is your definition of success? You know, I've thought about this a while and people have asked me that because I ask, that's the question, like on my show at the very end, it's like, how do you shape your success? You know, like we have an interview and we talk about it. And for me, it's just helping other people. I mean, that's really what it is. Like people who are successful are people who help other people be successful. Like you're a podcaster, right? If there's a way that you can reach out to help me or I can help you, I'm going to do that. I don't care. Mm -hmm. We're not in competition. There is millions of people in here. They might like listening to a female voice. They like listening to a male voice. They might listen to someone who is more apathetic or someone who, you know, is really hard on them. It doesn't matter. And so I don't really look at you as competition. I look at you as an equal. And if I can help you, I'm going to help you. And I'm assuming that's the same way you are. It seems like to me anyway, but Mm -hmm. that's the thing. People, people don't look at it that way. We look at it. Everyone is competition and, and that's the hardest part. So I feel like me helping other people to be successful is successful. Yeah, I love that. And like you said, I think that's just like the ultimate joy is looking at it through other people and being like, I want to help you and not having a selfish mentality around it. And the fact that you were able to kind of get that started off at the podcast is like, oh, how can I do this to help me? But how quickly it turned to be like, wait how can I actually help people? And that's how define success. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's amazing. <laughs> that's so cool. And so how has your podcast journey been like over the past year? It sounds like I said that you've just grown and learned a ton. Yeah. You know, I think like the biggest thing, like, even like I learned something every single week, like this week, I'm sitting there looking at download numbers, you know, like that's the biggest thing. It's like, Oh, how many downloads you have? Cause it's something that's measurable. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it this week and it's like, I don't care. Like if I didn't have to see the numbers when I uploaded the podcast, I think I'd be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because I'm doing something that I love and I'm reaching people. Like, I mean, I don't get a ton of downloads on that, but like combined over everything that I do, because it goes on Instagram, it goes on YouTube, it goes on Facebook. Like it's actually yeah. a pretty big number, but I don't know. I mean, if someone reaches out to me, Hey, I saw this episode and it really helped me you know, it really changed the way that I looked at something. That's really all it's about. Yeah. Um, Do I hope to do this like one day for a living? Sure do. I mean, it makes me happy. That's what, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, like I don't want to, my job affords me money, you know, Mm -hmm. good money. And, um, but if I can replace that income with this, it's, I'm done, you know, because this is what I want to do. Yeah. And I mean, with your mentality and mindset and all the hard work that you put into it, like eventually that I can totally see you making that transition and just being able to do what you love because of all your hard work, because you never gave up. And again, that's, I feel like another 
secret from this podcast is like the key to success is just never giving up. It's not because your first podcast episode was this huge hit and it took off and whatever. It's because you post so frequently and because you're so dedicated that eventually there's going to be no other option besides to be successful. And you never know who you're going to hit at that one time. It's like we talked about with connection. I mean, again, I would have not known you had I not known your fiance and you never know. Gary Vaynerchuk could be watching my podcast right now or listening to it or whatever. And they'd be like, Hey, I need to hire that guy. Exactly. It's very possible that that could happen, but it would have never happened had I did nothing. Yep. Yep. You just have to do something, even if like you might not feel super confident and going to be your best work, just start, just put your foot out there and you never know like what it's going to lead to and the people that will reach out to you. And just, I think saying yes to a lot of different opportunities, it doesn't matter about the downloads. It's just kind of finding your own community and they're going to appreciate that you have quality guests on there and not just, so that's, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, Wes, thank you so much for just coming on and just sharing like your life journey and all the bumps in the road that you experienced. <laughs> but it sounds like it really started out with your dad just kind of instilling that mindset into you of like, we're going to like push through even when times get tough and work hard. And so it's really carried you so far to see the amazing work that you're doing now and just the people that you're touching and inspiring. It's so awesome to see. Yeah. I mean, I look at it every day. I could, what would my, what would my life look like? Had he just said, all right, you can quit. <laughs> it would, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been the same. Right. You know? That's a crazy thought. Yeah. It's like I said, just never underestimate the importance of like the conversations you have with people and your words, your words are powerful. And like I said, regardless, if you realize what you say to someone, like it might stick with them that you might remember exactly where you were in that moment. But so just know that like what you say is important and does carry weight to others. Yes. hundred percent. Well, awesome. Well, just to wrap up, we'll move on to the countdown question game. So starting off with three, what would you say were kind of like the three biggest lessons or takeaways you've learned in your life journey up until this point? So I, I kind of cheated because I wrote some of these down when I was thinking about it. So if you see me looking down, well, it doesn't matter. No one's watching, like you're going to, <laughs> so it's okay. Um, out. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's easy to be negative and it's hard to be positive. I think that's one of the big things. It's easy to, to, like, I talk about this thing called hater math where, you give weight, you give like, if you were to put a positive comment and a negative comment on the same, one would weigh five pounds and one would weigh, you know, two pounds, right? Mm-hmm. So you can get a hundred positive two pound comments that weigh way more than the one five pound negative comment, but you make it seem like that negative comment weighs way more than the positive one. So it's really easy to be negative. Yep. And uh, so try to be a little more positive. Um, we talked about this a little bit. You never know who you're talking to connection is a huge thing. So you never know who you're talking to. Like mm-hmm. when I interact and I comment on social media, I, I, I don't try to be negative on anything because I think that you never know who you're interacting with and you never know who you could be connected with. Um, I connected with a few people who have given me guests and just by putting out that positive vibe. And so make sure that what you give out is positive because you'll get positive back. And yeah. that happens when you surround yourself with people like that. Yeah. Um, gosh, I wrote down. Oh, patience. Patience is a hard one. Patience mm-hmm. is a very hard thing to understand. Um, 
And I think I have the hardest time with being patient with myself. And it's, it's really a struggle when other people aren't patient as well, because uh, they expect things to happen right away. And uh, I've, I have almost 100 episodes of my podcast, and I'm working on trying to get sponsorship now, but I haven't had any yet. But I know that it'll happen. And uh, that's one of the things that I look at, like, I know it'll happen. I know people will hear it, people will see it. And, you know, just being patient, we look at those numbers every single day and, and try to be really hard on ourselves. But in reality, there are some podcasts that go like the first five episodes and they're done, you know, Many. I'm going to hit a hundred and I have plans of hitting 200 and I have plans of, you know, not stopping. So yep. I'm having more than one show. That's awesome. I love that. Um, two truths and a lie. So you want to start off, see this how well the, I got to know you. <laughs> this is the hardest one right here. And I'm, yep. you probably get it, but it's, it's the hardest one because I'll have to like cover my mouth. So smile when I say it. I won't love um, covering you. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see here. So I've interviewed the creator of No Fear. You may not know who that is. I don't know. If, uh, you. I think you're a little bit younger than me, but uh, there's this clothing company called No Fear. And uh, I've interviewed that guy. It was pretty cool. It was pretty big back in the 90s when I was in middle school. Nice. Um. My favorite baseball player is Hunter Pence. Giants, I'm a big Giants fan. And then, um, let's see, this is, a, uh, I can't tell you. So I, I can't do it. <laughs> You're going to guess it. My, my lie is, and I'm just going to tell you because you already know, I just gave it away. I'm terrible at this game. I was recruited to hit for the Oregon State baseball team. That was my, that was going to be my lie. <laughs> I love how you even started laughing before you could say it. <laughs> I couldn't say it. I was trying really hard. That's so oh. funny. Well, Sorry, I don't know who that first like. person was, but uh sounds like that was a really cool opportunity. It actually was like I so there's this company called Trust Me Vodka and uh I invested in it. And there's a gal that lives here in Star who they when you invest, they bring you a case of vodka. She brought me the case of vodka and then started telling me about it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. No fear. This guy created no fear. Well, he created no fear. He created spy eyewear. He created bad boy club. He created like, he's this big brander. And, uh, I'm like, do you think he wanted to be on the show? She's like, I don't know, but I'll reach out to him. I used to cut his hair. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so again, this is one of those, you never know who you're interacting with. And so he actually has been on my show twice. Um, and he has the most downloads of anyone. And I talked to him I talked to him almost weekly. So wow. His, his name is Mark Simo. He was uh he was Mark Simo. Now he's just Mark to me, but the other way, right? Yeah, yeah. And look how far the two years has taken you. So yeah. pretty crazy. Okay, my two truths and a lie. Um, one, I have never broke a bone. Two, I love to scuba dive. And three, I am really bad with plants, so I'm an unintentional plant killer. I'm going to go with plant killer because I, that's the, wait, hold on. Okay. Plant killer is true. Scuba diving is true. It's the other one. What was the last one? The, the broke one? a bone. Broke a bone. Yeah. That is broke a bone. true. My lie was I love to scuba dive. I'm oh. pretty afraid of like the deep ocean, honestly. That's crazy because like I, I know like on Instagram you post a lot of pictures of swimming, so I just thought you'd like to scuba dive. 
Yeah, I do love like the water and just like being active, but the thought of like going down with just oxygen on my back and potentially seeing sharks is nothing I ever want to experience. So, so now you have to do it. Oh gosh, maybe. I don't know. I've had friends that they tell me the same thing, but I'm just like, I yeah, don't well, know. when you get married and you go on your honeymoon, you're going scuba diving. <laughs> I'll tell Rance now. Book it. Yep. Yep. That's what I'd say. That's funny. Yep. Um, and then the final question, what is one positivity act that you can challenge yourself and others to do this week? I think like the biggest thing that in the space that we live in is that we don't do enough to promote other people. Like we don't do enough to help other people grow. Um, the hardest part for me, like I share other people's posts and I share their social media and I help them grow. But if someone's doing something that helps you and moves you, help spread that word. You know, tell someone something positive today. Tell them, hey, you know, I like what you're doing. Hey, your message really moved me today. You know, post it on social media. Like if you're listening to a podcast to someone that really moves you, I do it all the time because I'm like, this is fire right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post this one up and I want people yeah. to see it because they deserve it. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, thanks for having me on here because this is really cool. This is one of those things and I love what you're doing and and the only reason we connected was because you love what I'm doing, you know, kinda. Yeah. so that's the, uh, that's the thing. Tell someone, you know, tell someone something positive about their doing what they're doing, no matter what it is. Yeah. You know? And honestly that I think people underestimate like just how meaningful that is to someone when they're putting their heart and soul into it. And they get that one message that, like you said, I appreciate what you're doing or this episode really resonated with me. I just, I have felt from this side of it that, those words go so much farther than that person might even realize. So I think that's a really big one that I haven't had someone mention yet. And I think that's a really important one too. Yeah. And I mean, again, it's, it's one of those things for me, like I've just learned over the past two years because I've always been this half empty guy and I look at the negative stuff and I'm just excited when something positive happens, but now I look for the positive stuff every single day instead of looking for trying to dig myself out of a hole, but what can happen. You know. And when you start looking, it just you start seeing it a lot more. It's kind of like when you talk about a yellow car and then you start seeing yellow cars everywhere. It's like if you right. focus on that positivity, it just eventually you do. It does snowball and you do start seeing it more and more in your daily life. So, yep, exactly. I love that. Well, Wes, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing and inspiring our guest. And if people wanted to reach out, listen to your podcast, where would it be a great place that they could find you? So the podcast is everywhere. I mean, you can listen to it. It's called Champion Success. It looks like a Superman logo because I'm a big Superman fan, but it also looks like a home plate because I'm a baseball guy. Um, best place really to find it, though, is if you go to my Instagram profile at wes.tankersley. And I'll spell my last name because it's crazy. But And Wes is just W-E-S dot Tankersley, T-A-N-K-E-R-S-L-E-Y. And you'll see it's my head on Superman's body. That's not my body as much as I wish it was. Um, <laughs> oh, don't I thought it was. Yeah, you thought it was real. That's <laughs> um, but uh, that's me. Click on the link in my bio. It's a pod spout bio and it'll take you to everywhere you can find me. My Instagram's on there. My Twitter's on there. My YouTube channel's on there. My most recent podcast, um, my Spotify link. Yeah. Amazing. DM me. If you think it'd be great to be on the show, you know, I'm always open to it, but you got to tell me why. Why do you think you should be on my show? And Sometimes you have to listen to what my show's about before you can tell me why you should be on my show. Yeah, absolutely. And as I mentioned, guys, he is so active on social media. So if you just follow his Instagram account, that west.tankersley, 
you won't be able to miss him. And like I said, it'll just fill your day with a little more inspiration. So thanks again, Wes. Yeah, thank you. It's been great. Are you guys ready for the positive perspective of the week? So for this week's positive perspective, I came across the story of this young teenage boy who recently started creating bow ties and donating them to the animal shelters so they look a little more dapper, as he would say, for their photos and hopefully help them to get adopted more. And I just thought it was such a sweet, cute story that I was like, I want to look into this and learn more and did a little research and found out that Darius Brown Uh, is the one that started this. And around eight years old, he learned how to sew and he started to make his own bow ties because he saw his sister wearing hers in her hair and was like, I want to wear my own tie. I want to wear my own bow ties as well. So he started making his own, kind of had his own little collection. And then in 2017, when Hurricane Harvey hit, he started to notice that a lot of the uh, dog shelters and animal shelters around the area were filling up with... um, with animals from out of town and just realized there was just such an over, there was such an influx of animals that just didn't have a place to go. And he just wanted to figure out how he could help in that negative situation and maybe just shine some light or turn that into a positive. And he was like, you know, I have all these extra bow ties that I've been making and collecting for myself, but maybe I can start donating them. And just that one little thought that was like, And just having that one thought, it lit up. And just having that one thought, it just totally grew from there. He now has his own nonprofit organization. He has a huge presence on social media. He's been on a lot of different news news channels and everything. And just showing how his one idea, how his one inspiration, his one thought about how he could just make a little difference actually turned into a huge difference. And it's something where he's now... Uh, donated to donated bow ties to every donated bow ties to all 50 states across America and hopes to just continue to donate more bow ties. So it was just such a good reminder that even in our darkest days, even when things don't seem like they're going right, there's always a way that we can shine some sort of light into that world and hopefully bring a little bit more joy into it. So thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Positive Perspectives. And remember guys, to keep spreading positivity because I truly think it's contagious. Love you guys. Hey friends, thanks so much for sticking around and listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you enjoyed, what topics you'd like to hear, and it would really mean a lot to me. Episodes will be released every Wednesday, and you guys can also find me on Instagram at positive perspectives podcast. Thanks guys. And tune in next week for another dose of positivity.